Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. It is a beautiful name, isn't it? Jesus. Thank God for his love, his mercy, his grace. Thank God that in his infinite mind, in his great sovereignty, that he made mothers. To all of our mothers out there today, happy Mother's Day to you. I pray that if you have your Bibles, I hope you'll bring your Bibles every single week. I want you to check it out. I want you to see where I'm coming from. I'm just a mailman that is delivering the mail today. And today, we're opening the letter of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And we'll be looking at this great name of Jesus. But we'll be looking at it through the lens of Mother's Day. Uh, you might be saying, what in the world does this passage of Scripture have to do with Mother's Day? Uh, I mean, after all, Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica as a way of encouragement. Yes, you're right. Uh, but remember how he left Thessalonica. Remember, Paul didn't start uh, uh, the church at Thessalonica until Acts chapter 17. That's his second missionary journey. So, on Paul's second missionary journey, he uh, goes to Thessalonica and he starts this church. Now remember, anytime Paul and the apostles and the disciples showed up, uh, three things normally happened. There was either a riot, there was a revival, or both. And most of the time there was both. There was this great revival which sparked a riot culturally and uh, things began to happen and the gospel would spread even further and further into Gentile communities and Gentile nations all the way to here where we have received the gospel in North America. But when we think about how Paul left the church at Thessalonica, there was a riot. He was run out of town. And when he was run out of town, he went to Berea. And there in Berea, he preached the gospel. And again, many people got saved. And then a riot ensued again. And they kicked him out. And he had to flee for his life again. And he left Berea. Then he went to Athens. And then when he was in Athens, Rome, there he was thinking about uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and continuing to witness and share the gospel with individuals. And uh, he departed Athens and went to Corinth. And there at Corinth, as we read uh, the beautiful letters to 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians to Corinth there, as we think about the cultural challenges that they had there, we know historically that somewhere in between that journey between Athens and Corinth, he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica. And he just simply told Timothy, he said, Look, I need you to go back and check on the church at Thessalonica. We left in a hurry. I mean, like we were, they were killing us. I mean, they, they, they really, they were trying to kill us. So, so we got out of there. I need you to go back over there and check on them. And so Timothy willingly and, and quite encouragedly and happily went uh, to check on the church at Thessalonica. By the time Paul got to Corinth, uh, and as he was in Corinth, the report came back to him from Timothy. And the report was just astonishing. 
The church in the midst of persecution, the church in the midst of travail, and the, the church in the midst of difficulty was growing exponentially. And Paul began to reminisce about his time there. And through his thinking and remembering what was going on there, he said, i got to write him a letter. And so he sat down and he wrote 1 Thessalonians. And he sent that letter to the church at Thessalonica. And so when they received that letter, they received a letter that was of great encouragement to them to help them to continue in the faith, to continue in the grace of God and he testified in chapter 1 of their great example how they have stood steadfast and strong against persecution and against the culture that was pushing up against them. And in, verse, in chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, Paul begins again to reminisce in his letters to think about, remember what it was like when I first came to you? And it is here that I want to concentrate uh, what, what Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. Because in this section of Scripture, uh, especially in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, what Paul's going to do is he is going to, to introduce us to a grammatical element called an analogy. An analogy. Paul is going to give us an analogy from a mother's perspective. And just what he's simply going to say, he's going to say, like a mother... There are three things that I did. And so when we look at this text and when we see it, we can see through the lens of this analogy on how a biblical New Testament mother operates. We see that very clearly in this text. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's pick it up in verse number 1 for context purposes. And we'll read down to verse number 9. Because in verse 10, Paul's going to switch and he's going to stop talking about what he did through the lens of motherly uh, care for the Thessalonians. And he's going to switch and talk about what he did through the lens of fatherly care. So you see mothers and fathers in this text. But in verse 6, 7, 8, and 9, it deals specifically with mothers. My heart's desire, Mom, is just simply this. Today you would be encouraged as you see what a New Testament mom looks like. So let's look at verse number 1 of chapter 2. The Bible says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it in deceit. But we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, who tests our hearts. Now, this isn't part of the sermon, but it's really worth stopping parenthetically and looking at. Did you see what, what Paul said? He said, God, it's God who tests our hearts. Listen to me, moms and dads too. Maybe the trial that you're going through, the difficulty that you're having, is a test from God to see how you might come out of the fire and let the Lord still be the Lord of your life. Look at verse number 5. He says, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Paul is just simply saying, as God is my witness, we didn't come looking for money. This is not a financial endeavor, is what Paul's saying. Verse 6, nor did we seek glory from men, neither from you, nor from others, when we might have demanded 
as apostles of Christ. But here we go. We were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately loving for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because we had become, or because you had become dear to us. For we remember, brethren, our labor. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our toil. For laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach the gospel of God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. In the context that Paul is speaking of, he's talking about him and his team as born-again Christians going into this church that didn't have a Christian witness and seeing this church planted and this church started. And as the church started in a very difficult pressure cooker of a culture, Paul says, we came to you like nursing mothers. And we didn't want to be a burden to you, but we took your burden upon us. And we wanted to let you know how much we love you. And in doing so, we see the character qualities of a godly mother. There are three of them here that I'd like to point out that I hope will be an encouragement to you on Mother's Day. The first one I want you to notice is the first character quality is that of gentleness. A godly mother is gentle with her children and not a burden to them. Did you see what he said again in verse 6 and 7? In verse number 6, at the end of that verse, he said, we could have come in here and pushed our way, but we didn't. As apostles, we had the commission of God and we had the commission of the church as they, de as they departed us, or as they, as they caused us to depart and sent us out as messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ in fulfilling the great commission in taking the gospel to the ends of the world. We had every right upon starting your church to impose an authority upon you to say, hey, we are apostles. We're commissioned by God and we're commissioned by the church. We have every right to ask you to give us financial support so that we can go deeper and further for the gospel of Jesus Christ in these foreign lands. He said, but we didn't do that because we loved you so much like a nursing mother would a child. In fact, he uses that term cherish. You see that there in verse number 7. He says, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Wednesday night I came in and, and next, hour's, next hour is a baby dedication. So it would be a big be a lot of people in here next hour, and it's going to be a great time. Got a lot of babies that uh, are, will be dedicated. And this dedication of these babies uh, is not saying that these babies are saved. This dedication is saying that as a church and as parents, we are recognizing that we have a responsibility to help teach these children to know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to them so that when the Spirit speaks to them, they can trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. It's a beautiful opportunity in the, in the form of presenting our children to the Lord and saying, 
we want to raise a godly family. And so we're going to do that next hour. But Wednesday night I came in and I saw the brand new Becerra baby. Oh my goodness, how precious that little baby is. We've been praying for the Becerra baby and the, now that baby is here and we just rejoice. And, and to see Pamela care and love for her little baby, oh, it was just so wonderful uh, as we ooed and awed and cooed and just all the things that you do when new babies are born. And here is a mother who brought her child into the Wednesday night Bible study. By the way, I'm doing a Wednesday night Bible study right in here for married couples. And yes, children are welcome. She brought that sweet baby in here and cherished that child while, while she was here. Made sure that the child was comfortable. Made sure that the child was warm. Made sure that the child had every need that it could possibly have. Make sure that it's met. She was the perfect illustration of the very first point here is that a godly New Testament mother is gentle when it comes to her children. As a matter of fact, when you look at this passage of Scripture, you see this word cherish means to, to make warm or to keep warm, to love with a tender type love. So Paul is painting this picture of saying, look, this church was born and as, as a mother instinct, I come with, to you like a nursing mother that draws you up close to my, to my uh, chest. And I love you and I keep you warm and I'm making sure all that your needs are met. The question that I have this morning is simply this in thinking about Mother's Day. How should a mother be gentle with her children? Because they don't stay babies for long. A amen. In fact, they grow up way too fast. Amen right there. But the fact of the matter is, as they're growing up, how are we gentle towards our children? It's easy to be gentle when they're a baby. It's not so easy to be gentle when they're 2, 3, 13, 18. You know what I'm talking about. Two, two things, Mom. I just want to encourage you today. The first thing I would say is this. If you want to encourage your children... And if you want to be gentle towards them, then let me encourage you to be gentle with them with your words. Number one, be gentle with your words. Never forget what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life, and the tongue also has the power of death. You can bring life to your children, or you can bring death to your children. I'll never forget when I was a child, I had to be, I don't know, maybe I was seven, maybe I was eight. I, I'm not uh, specifically sure uh, how old I was, but I remember school had let out and uh, we all come under the awning of the church, just like we've got an awning out here that you drive under after school. We all came out there. Those that rode the bus got on the bus. I wasn't a bus kid at, that, at this particular uh, season uh, of my life. My mother worked just around the corner, and she'd come pick me up. She was working. The bus kids got on, and then behind the bus was everybody's car, and we all sat patiently or stood patiently looking uh, at our mother's car, and the kids would be talking, well, there's my, my dad, there's my brother, brother, there's my sister, there's my mama, and all this. And I just sat there, never saw my mother uh, yet, didn't see her yet, anxiously anticipating and awaiting her to pull in the school driveway. Just to give you a point of reference, I didn't like school, didn't like it tall. I mean, it was horrible, terrible, didn't want to be there, hated every minute of it. Oh, I just thought it was ridiculous. I, th I just wanted to be with my mama, and I wanted to be with my grandmother. That, those were the two people I wanted to be with most of my childhood life. I mean, and so to go to school was punishment. 
I didn't like it. So did you have any friends? Sure I did. But they weren't like mama. Uh, They weren't like mama at all. Uh, And so I was standing there, no car. And my mother drove a yellow Oldsmobile. I mean, we called it the banana. And we would watch that thing. And I never saw the banana around the corner. Kid would leave and leave and leave and leave until finally there were only two kids left, me and another one. And the banana still had not showed up. And about that time, a car pulled in the driveway and came up under the awning. And that child said, well, that's my ride and got in it. And then it was just me and the principal. The one person I didn't want to be there with. (laughs) And I looked up, and when I saw their face, I started crying. When I saw the face of the principal, I began to weep. And the principal got down and said, what's wrong, Shane? I said, my mama's forgot about me. I said, I'm afraid I've been forgotten. And we waited and we waited and waited. This is before cell phones. Can I get a witness right there? (laughs) And finally, I looked up and the teacher and the principal said, look right there. And the banana turned into the school. And man, I got so happy. And my mother saw that I was distressed. She was late. She was running late. She'd been at work. She got out of the car. She ran around the car. And she got down on one little knee. And she held me by the shoulders. And she said, son, are you okay? And I said, mama, I thought you'd left me. And the gentle words of my mother said, son, I love you. You know mama will never, ever leave you. I'll always be here for you. Those tender words, I remember to this day. I'm 47 years old, and I can recall that moment just like that. The tender words of my mother. I'm not the only one that has a story like that. You've got a story like that, too, I'm sure, of your mother. A time when your mother used those gentle words to help you and to encourage you and to instill within you something that caused your life to be what it is today. When we think about the gentle words in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, they have the power to give life and they have the power to give death. But let me just say this in regards to the latter part of that verse. As a mother, I've seen mothers who have been hooked on drugs and alcohol, sad situations where they teach their kids and speak death and destruction into their lives. What about those situations, Pastor? Am I marked and scarred for life if that was the character quality of my mother? No, you're not marked for life. Because Jesus is a father to the fatherless. And he's a mother to the motherless. And he's one that you can always come to. And he's a heavenly father that can change the issues of our heart. But as it stands in our text today, for those of us that are receiving the word of God with gladness, Know that a mother, a New Testament mother, is one of gentleness with her words. But she's not only gentle with her words, she's also gentle with her actions. Uh, The Bible tells us here in verse number 6 and 7, the Bible says that that, uh, in verse number 7 in the latter part, as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart unto you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because for you had become dear to us. This term cherished underneath verse number, uh, verse number 8, we see all these beautiful things that sum up this cherishing, not only in words, but also in action. 
It's vitally important that as a mother, not only do we use our words, but we also use our actions. When you think about words and actions, moms, in many ways, you are like the thermostat of the house. Think about the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer reacts to temperature, while a thermostat controls temperature. Mom, you have the ability to control temperature, and you have that when you put the words and the actions together. You're the thermostat in the home. When it comes to this issue of action and thinking about this uh, illustration of being a thermostat, we know two things. We know that we exercise this beautiful gentleness with our actions in the form of discipline. Thank God for mothers who are disciplinary. Discipline is a second way that moms can be gentle in exercising, but, all, but loving and firmly, and firmly loving their kids. You see, a gentle mother is not a pushover. She doesn't let her children do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. She exercises firm, loving discipline. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 24 says this, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Uh, My mother not only lovingly made sure that my needs were met, she also lovingly wore my, my, my hind end out when I needed it. And there were times she wore my tail out when I didn't do anything wrong. But that's a whole other sermon. <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-five fifteen, through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. You see, in the form when it comes to discipline, we can correct our children. And we can correct them with a form of disappointment and not correct them out of anger. Now, the Bible says it's okay to be angry and to sin not, but I'm talking about a loving, firm discipline for our children. I'm going to tell you what, what we need today. We need more moms that firmly discipline through the perspective of letting their kids go pick their own hickory. That did something in my that did something to me in my life. How many had you pick your own hickory? Yeah, yeah, it did something, didn't it? It changed your psyche about many things. I mean, that's the reason why some of you are not robbers and thieves. Because your mama made you pick your own hickory. I mean, you think about it. When you look over the course of your life and you say, man, I should have been in jail. You know what kept you out of jail? That hickory. And if you're anything like me, when your mama made you go pick your hickory, you had to go pick it more than one time. Because the first time it was too big. The second time it was too small. But the third time, mom was already so aggravated that if you didn't do something, you might die right there on the ground. (laughs) And so I did what any logical child would do in that respect because I just seemed to heap more lashes upon myself when I picked my hickory when I brought her a big stick. I mean, when I mean brought her a big stick, I mean, I found the the biggest, thickest uh, pine tree I could find that was laying on the ground, and I'd take it to her, hoping she'd feel guilty to say, well, that's what he thinks of me. And that didn't work. No. Nope. She'd say, put that down and go get a hickory. And then I'd get this little bitty thin thing that was just really, it just really wasn't doing anything. She said, nope, that's not going to work either. You're not playing these games, son. Go get me a hickory. So I'd go get a hickory and my mother had some finesse. She could take the tip of that thing and hold it in just right the right way and just say, zip! And then it was over. Everything went dark. I don't know what happened after that. 
exercised, loving. I'm being facetious, but thank God for the discipline of a mother. Amen? Number two, not only do we exercise loving discipline uh, with our actions, but we also exercise the principle of carrying your children's burdens. Carrying your children's burdens. This is another form of gentleness, if you would. You carry your kids' burdens. And you do this through the actions of, of this gentleness that you have. Uh, he tells us here in the text, in the context that he's speaking of, he, he says, we were gentle among you in verse number 7. He says, we didn't want to be a burden to you, but we wanted to carry your burden. Uh, oh, this is just a beautiful principle that we need to exercise in our lives today. And that principle is just simply this. You don't want moms, we don't want our children, and our children are not a burden to us. But we want to carry our children's burdens. You see, we are not a burden to them, but they are a burden to us. We pick up their burdens and we place them upon ourselves. And then what we do with those burdens needs to be biblical. So what do you mean? Well, according to the Bible, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Again, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says this, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And then Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and the minds of Christ. So when it comes to receiving your children's burdens, there's a couple of things that we see here in those, in those passages of Scripture. Number one, we need to share those burdens with our spouse. Number two, we need to give those burdens of our children to our Heavenly Father. And let him care for them. And so we see here in respect to the very first character quality of a godly mother that we find in the New Testament. It comes from a man, from Paul, as he uses an analogy to say just like a mother cares for her children. And what does a mother do when she cares for her children? She is gentle. She has the character quality of gentleness and she's gentle with her words and she's gentle with her actions. But make no mistake, she is not a pushover. Number two, let me show you a second thing about this text. Not only do you see gentleness, but the second character quality that we run into in this text is the character quality of delightfulness. Delightfulness. Not only is a mother gentle, but she's also delightful. Look at what the Bible says in verse 8. Follow with me if you have your pens or pencils. The Bible says, So affectionately longing for you. Man, doesn't that describe a mother and her child? We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. That term dear is a term of endearment. It means to look at through the lens of a parent. We looked at you through the lens of a parent and in the context it's dealing as a mother that wants to provide the nourishment that a child needs. And he simply says this, we tried to do that with gentleness and it was a delight for us to do that. It was a joy for us to do that. You see, a godly mother shares the gospel as well as her life with her children and it is a great delight. It is something that they delight in doing. So when you look at verse number 8 and you think about 
Paul and Silas and Timothy, when they'd come to Thessalonica to preach the gospel, they loved them so much that they shared their lives with them. And they said it was well-pleasing to us. That word well-pleased is where we get our English word delight. It, we delighted. It was something that we gladly and willingly did. In what ways were they delighted? Well, they were first of all delighted in the form of sharing their life. Now, I know it comes second, but let's look at it first. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 8. He says, we were delighted, that's the term well-pleased, to impart unto you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. I want to look at that term right there, our own lives. He says, we, it was a delight for us to share life with you. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, the point that I want to make, especially mothers, thank you for showing with your actions, with your words, with your reactions, that your children are a joy. And they want to do life with you. This is true of my own wife, as she is a mother of five. Uh, there are times and uh, opportunities that are becoming greater and greater for her and myself to spend a little alone time together. Run out and get a milkshake. Can I get a witness right there? Praise God. Uh, I'm working on my weight too, by the way. Let me just, I, but, but, but I like milkshakes. Uh, but that's a whole other sermon too. The, the, the bottom line is, that, man, I almost ran down that dirt road. The bottom line is just simply this. My wife loves her children so much that if I were to say, hey, how about me and you sneaking away and let's go get an ice cream? Uh, one of the first responses she might have would be something like this. Hey, John, go get your shoes on. Dad's going to carry us out for ice cream. And then there's a little thing in my heart, and you might have experienced this, where there's a little twig in your heart going, Ugh. <laughs> It's a joy for my wife to share life with her children. And it's something that we as parents need to understand. Why? Well, because it goes by so quick. Man, it was just yesterday that my daughter was born, Alyssa. And we have five. My, my oldest is in Pennsylvania, and she's expecting our very first grandchild. And it went by so fast. I think about it. It was just yesterday. And, you, and we hear this growing up. In fact, when we see Watson or, or some of these other children, and we see their parents, and, and, and we, we tell Chris and Renee, and we say something like this to them, we say, boy, cherish every moment. It, it goes by so fast, don't we? we? We say that to them. And we know because we've experienced it. I mean, it was just yesterday, think about it, moms, where you were rocking that baby. It was just yesterday when you were clothing them, getting them ready to go to church for the very first time. And when you think about those things and you think about those memories, it brings a sense of delight to your heart. And it brings a delight because I believe three things. Number one, you understand that they're not, they're not young for long. And we've got to enjoy them while they're young. I think this is why when we get to be grandparents, we think like this. We're going to be better grandparents than we were parents. That and we ain't got to put them to bed. Thank God. Amen for that. Number two, the second thing we understand, and it's a delight for us because we understand number two this. They need you. Children need their mom and they need their dad. They need their mom and dad. Your children need to be nurtured by you. Uh, they, they need to be cared for you. 
We're living in a culture today where if we don't take advantage of this opportunity that lies in front of us as mothers and as fathers, but because it's Mother's Day, I'm speaking to mothers. If we don't take advantage of the time that we have with our children right now, we may lose them. Could I just say this? Listen, we ought not to depend upon the government to raise our children. Uh, the president has just come out with this new initiative saying that not only do we want uh, uh, education to be free in regards to uh, elementary, secondary, elementary, and uh, uh, middle school and high school, but also concerning two, three years, four years of college. And, and while, while that's wonderful, free stuff is wonderful, you understand nothing comes for free. There's a price to be paid. There's a price to be paid financially in regards to the taxes that we owe. But there's also a price to, to be paid culturally with what they're teaching our children. Listen to me very carefully. And I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. The Bible says to mothers and fathers, you train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they won't depart from it. So it's our responsibility to train up our children. I mean, they get 30 hours at school. They get another 30 hours on the video games and TV. We need to at least make sure they're here at least for one hour to hear the gospel of God preached or change their life. I'm just saying. Listen, let me give you a quote. Here's what Barbara Bush said. Barbara Bush in 1990 at Wesleyan College, she made a commencement address. This is what she said, and I quote. She says, at the end of your life, you'll never regret not having passed one more test. Not winning one more verdict or not closing one more deal. You will regret the time not spent with a husband, a friend, a child, or a parent. Fathers and mothers, if you have children, they must come first. If we're going to be biblical about it, it needs to be, uh, if you're a mother, it needs to be dad. It's God, dad, and the children. Even, even if you're divorced and remarried. Now, I know that hits people. That hits people wrong. That hits them wrong. Say, so, bless God, I'm going to tell you right now, nothing's going to come between me and my children. All I'm saying is it's not biblical. That's all I'm saying. God, spouse, children. So, so this, they must come first. You must read to your children. You must hug your children. You must love your children. Your success as a family our success as a society depends not on what happens at the White House, but on what happens inside your house, end of quote. Boy, that is, a, that is a profound statement if I've ever read one. You want to know what's wrong with our culture today? What's wrong with our culture? There's something wrong with our homes. That's what's wrong with our culture. We need more godly mothers to rise up and to delight themselves in sharing life with their children. My mother shared life with me. I've got to hurry. Man, my time is running out. I've already supposed to be going in my uh, closing illustration, but I, I'm not done yet, so just hang on real tight. My mother shared life with us. When I was 14, I think I was 14 years old, when I was 14 years of age, uh, we, we had this uh, uh, Chevrolet hatchback, I think it was a Chevelle. Was that a Chevrolet Chevelle? Is that what they called them things? I think it, that's what it was. And we were going down an old country road called Glen Gap Road. Glen Gap Road. If you know Alabama and you know Etowah County, you know there's a back way to get to Nakalula Falls, and that back way is Glen Gap Road. And so Glen Gap Road was nothing but a desolate, 
dirt road, very, very wide. It was uh, only traveled by people in the community that knew how to navigate it and get up there. But hardly anybody ever drove it. I mean, it was just really desolate. Not a lot of people drove Glen Gap Road. Well, we come down. My grandmother lived up on, Glen, up on the mountain. And we come down Glen Gap Road, came down the mountain on the back way, got on Glen Gap Road. And, and it's pretty much a straight road. My mother pulls off and she said, you want to have some fun? And I said, well, yeah. And it was me, my mother, and my four-year younger brother. I'm 14, so he's 10. So mom says, why don't you drive? I said, Really? She said, yeah. I said, oh, this is going to be fun. I got behind the, the wheel of the car there on Glen Gap Road. And again, nobody's out there. I mean, it's just desolate. And I get going, and I'm no more going a mile on the road, and I see somebody coming towards me. I hadn't seen anybody all day coming down Glen Gap Road. And here they come. And of all things, it was a motorcycle. I mean, this motorcycle's coming. Here he's coming. I put a death grip. I mean, remember, I'm 14. I had never drove before. I put a death grip on the steering wheel. And my mom's in my ear. Take it easy. Relax. You can do this. Everything's going to be okay. Just stay straight. Just stay straight. Well, again, Glen Gap Road's very wide. He had plenty of room, but I felt like I needed to give him a little bit more room. So I moved over just a little bit, and I got into the thick gravel on the side, on the thick gravel. Well, that motorcycle just goes past us, and I just absolutely lost it, and I jerked the wheel trying to get back on the road. And when I jerked the wheel, I started fishtailing. I overcorrected, and then I really started fishtailing. We did a 360-degree turn right there in Glen Gap road we come to a stop dead silence in the car I look at my mother fearful of my life because there's a lot of woods on Glen Gap Road and if I pick my hickory I might die my mother looks at me and she says this for heaven's sake son whatever you do don't tell your daddy about this And then from the back seat, my 10-year-old brother says, Ma, I've wet my pants. <laughs> we share life together. Share life. But not only we share life, we also share salvation. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, did you see what happened in the text? Look at again, verse number 8. The Bible says in verse number 8, he says, We were well pleased to impart unto you not only the gospel, the gospel. Now, this is, this is again, he, he's making this big deal about the gospel. And he's going to say it again uh, there at the end of this text in verse number 9, the gospel of God. But he says, we gave you the gospel of God. We shared the gospel with you. Moms, we need to share the gospel with our kids. My earliest memories, my earliest memories of the gospel being given to me by my mother was not only with her, with her praying for me, but also her leading the initiative during a season in my life when my dad was working out uh, his salvation. He was saved. He was born again. He was out of church. He was what we call backslidden and was struggling because he worked third shift, the night shift. And uh, mom would get us up on occasion by our own volition and say, hey, it's, it, let's go to church. And my earliest memories of memorizing Scripture was when mom would take us to church and I would memorize Scripture in Sunday school, David. In Sunday school. That was so vitally important to me. Mom sharing salvation. 
And then last of all, let me give you this last one. I talked about gentleness. I talked about delightfulness, that raising children, being a mother, ought to be a delight. Uh, and then here's the third one. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. A New Testament godly mother is gentle, she's delightful, and she's faithful. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 9. He says, for you remember. Now he's calling them to think back when he was there. He says, remember when we were there, brothers? And sisters, the word brethren encapsulated men and women, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. He says, our labor, there's a mother term, and toil, there's another mother term, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preached you, we preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just three things here, and I need to close because I'm out of time. We find here in this text the faithfulness of a mother. Mothering requires faithfulness. When I think about my own wife who is a godly mother, I think about three things. Number one, I think about how mothering is a tiring work. The Bible tells us there in the text, he says, they labored uh, and they labored night and day. You see it there in verse number nine? Man, it is a tiring work. Days and nights, all up at all times, all times, all the time being there. It is a labor and a toil. As a matter of fact, when you look at this word, uh, labor and toil, you can't help but uh, think about uh, what the bottom line in regards to what that means. In regards to this passage of Scripture, the term labor there in this area uh, has to do with hard and difficult travail, a hardship and a distress that causes pain. There are times when motherhood causes pain. It's painful. It's painful when you desire that your child go a certain direction and they want to go their own direction. And as an adult, you've poured your life into them and then they still, they go the opposite direction you want them to go. Well, it's tiring. But the Bible says when they're old, they won't depart from it. Don't give up, moms and dads. Moms, don't give up. Continue to be faithful. Paul says we were faithful in that. Number two, he, we also think about it how it's a difficult work. It's a difficult work being a mother. Because not only are you protecting yourself, uh, you're protecting your children from the enemy, many times you're protecting yourself from, you're protecting your children from your husband. Again, I get a witness right there. So what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, I'm just taking my own situation, my own thing. I mean, uh, mom is gentle, she's kind, she nurses, she loves, she hugs, she rocks, she Patches up the boo-boos. I mean, my kids never, when they cut themselves, going, Dad, Dad. No, they say, Mom, Mama, Mama, Mama. Uh, they only came to me when they wanted money. <laughs> Amen? I mean, it's the truth, isn't it? I mean, down the truth. Yeah. It's a, uh, or, or they wanted to try something spectacular. What do you mean? Oh, I can remember my kids being little and, you know, mom's caring for them and, and loving them and being sweet and kind and just being a mother to them. Uh, but dad walks in the room with the boys and hear the boys and they're playing with their action figures and I say, you want to see something spectacular? They said, yeah. I said, I'll be right back. And I went out and I got some fishing line and duct tape. You know, you can do a lot with fishing line and duct tape. So I got that fishing line and I wrapped it around their superhero action figures. And then I tied those things and I taped them to the ceiling fans. And I said, you really want to watch these boogers fly? You watch this. By the way, that's always the last words of something that bad is going to happen. Hey, watch this. And so I flipped that thing on and boom, here they go off the ground. Phew, phew, phew. I said, you want to watch them go faster? Yeah, phew. 
you could do, I mean, I'm just, they're looking at me like I just gave each one of them a million dollars. They're just like, oh my goodness, Dad. So click, they go faster. Click, they go fa as fast as, Miriam says, you're going to break something. I'm all right, I'm all right. I broke something. <laughs> I mean, without fail. But that wasn't nothing in comparison to the time. Because, listen, mothering is hard work. Because you're not just mothering the kids, you're mothering the dad too. Can I get a witness right there? <laughs> so we had a treadmill. You know what a treadmill is? Anybody know what a treadmill is? It's a, it's a glorified closet. It's where you hang your clothes on it. I mean, but we had one. And uh, I thought, you know what it would be really fun? I, my, it would be really fun for my little, and I can't remember if it was Garrett or Grant. It was one of the boys, though. Uh, it, it would be really cool if they could experience what five miles an hour feels like. <laughs> and I began to think, how could, I, how could I do this? And I had this idea. I said, hey, look, we got this. There's a tote in the boys' closet, and I, it's got wheels on it. I said, boys... You want to have some fun? Oh, yeah, Daddy. You want to see something spectacular? Oh, yeah. I'd be right back. And I went and dumped all their toys out, and I brought that tote back, and I set that tote on the belt of that uh, 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 the, the, the treadmill. And I started off slow. Put one kid in there and turned it on. Ooh, man, this is fun. This is all right. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. And then I had another idea. I wonder if I could do this where I could keep my hands off of it. I said, yeah, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get some duct tape. And I went and brought, brought back a rope and some duct tape. And I, and I, I, I jerry-rigged that thing in such a way. And I put the kid in and I said, you ready to go fast? Yeah. Zip, turn that thing up to full speed. And man, he was trucking right along, holding on the side of that thing. Woo, 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 daddy, yeah, woo, woo. And then it broke. Zip! The kid went flying. <laughs> Landed up against the wall. <clears throat> you all right, boy? Dad, that was fun. <laughs> what, what's your point, Shane? My point is this. When you're a mother, you mother not only the children, you mother the husband too. Mothering is difficult work. And then number three, and this is my final concluding thought here. Uh, mothering is an unending work. We're quickly approaching empty nesters ourselves. One week from today, our youngest will be in high school. Uh, it is true. Uh, they leave one by one. Uh, Alyssa left. Holly's looking to leave. Uh, Grant, uh, he, he's going to be, uh, get, be being a, a senior and uh, just excited or 11th grade, a junior next year, and we're excited about that. John Gray's going to be a freshman next year. And what we're learning is that they never really truly leave. I got a phone call just this past uh, couple of weeks ago and from my dear sweet Alyssa, and uh, I want you to help me pray. They're moving back home so that baby can be born in Georgia. You, you talk about a happy pappy. I am happy. They're coming back. He had an interview over at East Jackson, the school at East Jackson. My son-in-law did. He has a master's degree in biology. He's a teacher. And uh, help me pray about that. Help me pray that he gets that job at East Jackson. We live just right across the street from the school there. And uh, they're going to be moving back on the 18th of June. I'll be getting on an airplane, flying down there. And I'll be loading, helping load them up and bringing them back to Georgia, back home. And I'm so excited my grandbaby's going to be born here in Georgia. 
But in thinking about that, in thinking about mothers, you think about, and I watch my wife go through this, it's an unending work. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, regardless of how old your children are, it's unending. We see this in the text. Did you see it again? Let me show you, and I, and I close. He says, I want you to remember, Paul says, brothers, I'm speaking to you in an, an analogy of a mother nursing her child. And as that child grows, he says, we labored day and night, day and night. And it was not just laboring, but it was toil. It was hard work to the point of exhaustion that we might not be a burden to any of you we preach to you the gospel of God. He said the whole reason why this unending work that we have as Christians is that we might preach the gospel to others in like fashion through this analogy and its context. He's simply saying, Moms, you too have this same responsibility as you labor and toil day and night so that your kids could hear the gospel. And when your kids hear the gospel, that might be the very thing to help them to come to know Christ as Savior. So in conclusion, mother, mothering is perhaps probably is the most challenging and yet the most rewarding job that's out there. And for you mothers, I bid you a happy Mother's Day. And I ask you and challenge you today, continue to be gentle Continue uh, to be uh, in, in the arena of happy with your children and let it be a delight so that you can share the gospel with them and not only them but also their grandkids and, their, and your great-grandkids. Happy Mother's Day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. You might be here. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. I want to give you that opportunity. From your heart to God's heart, would you say something like this to the Lord? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. And this morning I ask you to save my soul. I repent of my sins and I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you. And I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.